Some of you may be familiar with the name of Lou Holtz. He was the uh, football coach at Notre Dame forever and uh, had a tremendous career. But he once wrote a letter to the next generation. And in this letter, his remarks uh, were pretty important. In fact, uh, Time Magazine uh, carried uh, a whole thing about his uh, as a series of prominent figures in America who were given the opportunity to pass on their ideas to those who will inherit the earth a hundred years from now. So it's an interesting platform that he had to write his word. I want you to hear what he said. He said, because what was impressive, his entire focus was on the need for traditional families. And with the weight that he carried as a prominent sports figure, it was really powerful. Listen to what he said. He said, if America is going to be a strong nation 100 years from now, we cannot relinquish the training of our children to gang leaders and drug dealers. The local church and parents of today's youth must make a commitment to excellence. And he was right on target with this. See, our nation is only going to be as strong as our nation's homes and families. And it's also true of the church as well. So it's no surprise that the Apostle Paul wrote to Titus about the importance of building strong family units in the church. I mean, if he's ever going to carve out any kind of a solid church on the island of Crete, tough place to go to and minister anyway, if he's ever going to do this, there had to be solid families and homes. And likewise, if in the future our church is going to thrive, in the midst of a culture that is increasingly uh, declining in moral value, then we're going to have to give a lot of attention, constant attention, to the development of our families. Now, we saw last week in Titus chapter 2, Paul's instructions to Titus about encouraging the older men to be faithful. And this week, he's going to move to the subject of godly women. In fact, we want to give you seven qualities of godly women, godly wife, and mothers. So I know that you'll want to take notes, especially you men I want to write down all this stuff so you'll be able to take this back home with you. First in verse 4, Paul says, Her attitude should be loving. Her attitude should be loving. Paul says that the older women should train the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. Now, as far as I can tell you, this is the only time in all the Bible where the wife is told to love the husband. Now, you guys didn't know that, did you? In Ephesians 5, husbands are told to love their wives. And the word used for love is is agape. This is a Greek word which means doing loving things whether you feel like it or not because you're committed in a relationship. But here in Titus 2, where the wife is told to love the husband, the word is different. It is phileo. And this word has more to do, listen to this, has more to do with friendship. It has more to do with, you know, delighting in one another and loving each other in a very intimate, special, friendly way. And in that day, when so many of the marriages were arranged by the parents, it would certainly be hard at times for the wife to to maybe enjoy her husband. But the wives are told to phileo their husbands. They're to be friends. They're to take delight in one another. And we are commanded to love each other, even though every situation may not necessarily be ideal. 
Sometimes it's really easy to love your family. Amen? You're trying to think of one of those times right now, I can tell. I mean, when you're first married and your husband's romantic, it's really, really easy. But then there comes the times when it's not so easy to take delight in your family. For example, when your husband plays golf for the third Saturday in a row and leaves you to work in the yard, or when he's cranky and thoughtless and so on, and not, not that any of our men would ever be that way, of course, but I mean, it's a little more difficult. Or when your son complains about what you cooked for supper, or your daughter sasses you for disciplining her, it's not so easy to love. But those are the times as a Christian mom that you got to make the effort to nurture that kind of feeling and attitude. As one writer puts it, the ultimate challenge for a woman in marriage is to accept it for the return that it is, and I'm sorry, to accept it for the rerun that it is, but to keep herself from canceling the show. Sometimes it feels like a rerun, doesn't it? Same old, same old. Sometimes it's difficult to love, but we're commanded to love. Now, the rest of us could make it easier for the woman to love in the home. Children, if those are, most of the children are not here, so you must pass this on to the children that are, you know, okay. Yeah, you've got some back there right now. Good deal, good deal. You can make yourself more lovable just by doing little thoughtful things, expressing appreciation. Did you know that most moms, uh, believe it or not, they're not real bright. Let me tell you why I say this. It's crazy. They may have a high IQ. They may indeed be brilliant when it comes to dealing with people. But when it comes to being a mom, they will do things that defy common sense. They're willing to nurse you when you're sick. You know, they're willing to be, you know, to, to help you with your homework, you know, when you're ignorant. They want to comfort you when you're depressed. They were so easy to feed you when you're hungry. But when it comes to being a mom, they will do things like this just lovingly and naturally. It doesn't make any sense, does it? It's just almost automatic for them. All you need is a little thank you once in a while. And it, especially, you know, when, uh, you know, that doesn't happen much. Maybe an occasional hug. And they're all fired up and ready to do it all over again in the morning. They're crazy. All kinds of things that they'll do. It's so simple. If we would just be a little more loveling and take advantage of her on occasion. Husbands, most wives will be responsive to you if you just do the little things. Like be lovable. Give a phone call when you're late or a card when you've been gone or a smile when you walk by her or a touch on the arm. And when this happens, she will get all emotional about it. Probably in many of our cases because it may have been 10 years since she had that happen. <laughs> if you want to see her go crazy, whisper th little things in her ear like, boy, you look nice today. Or, oh, I sure do enjoy being with you. Or, or I love you. That one really is a, a good one. I mean, amazing things will happen to her. She loses all sense of reason, and she finds it just almost compellingly easy to be thoughtful and generous and loving in return. 
One wife told her husband, I'd like something romantic and impractical for our anniversary. So he went out and he bought a, a gold bracelet. And she thought, oh, this is wonderful, she said. Well, he said, one little four-letter word made me buy this for you. And she said, oh, do you mean L-O-V-E? And he said, no, I mean S-A-L-E. It was on sale. Now, that may be practical, but that's not the kind of loving appreciation we're talking about this morning. You need to be alert. I need to be alert for opportunities to be more loving in the home and to help her do that as well. But number two, her character also needs to be self-controlled. Her character should be self-controlled. The King James Version uses the word discreet. In other words, there's a, some, there's a sense of restraint when it comes to our emotions. There's a degree of reservation. We kind of, you know, um, one paraphrase puts it, you should live quietly and be sensible. See, the Christian woman should not be a space cadet, but neither should she be volatile, subject to explosive fits of temper or uncontrollable bursts of excitement. There should be some moderation here. Now, Paul's not just discussing temperament here so much as he is character. Because regardless of your natural temperament, you need to be under control. And for a Christian, we need to be under the Holy Spirit's control. If you're an extrovert, don't take it to extremes. If you're a big talker, learn to maybe be a little, little more quiet. If you're subject to bursts of emotion, don't let those emotions lead you where you shouldn't go or say what you shouldn't say. Be careful. Your husband and children need the security of seeing you balanced and under control. You don't fly off the handle when you get upset. You don't jabber endlessly about things when you really don't have anything to say. Don't panic when the pressure's on and go to pieces and blame your family. There used to be a steadiness. When you keep this poise and practice self-control in stressful situations, then that creates a calm atmosphere in the home that, that may not exist otherwise. Now, the rest of us can make it easier for the woman of the house to be self-controlled by not adding unnecessary stress and pressure to her. Men, when you see your wife begin to lose it, then be sensitive. When the two-year-old dumps his chocolate milk on the new carpet, this is no time to say, well, why didn't you keep him in the kitchen? Not a good idea. It's time to grab the towel, guys, and get down on your knees and help her out. When you bring guests home unannounced and the home doesn't exactly look like it's from better homes than gardens, this is no time to say, how come you can't keep the place cleaned up? It's time to say, honey, I'm sorry I brought these folks here unannounced. By the way, just don't do that, man. Don't do anything unannounced unless you're buying her gifts or something like that. It's a real challenge for us. I Man, we can cause a lot of this by our own lack of judgment. It's important that men help create an atmosphere where, especially in this is case, if the mom works outside the home. As one wife wrote, the statisticians classify us as having a full-time job. But they're wrong, of course. We have two full-time jobs. And of the two, the one for which we receive a paycheck is many times the easier one. When the woman of the house has to spend the day 
with demanding bosses and uncooperative co-workers and cantankerous customers or rambunctious students, whatever it may be, she may not be so likely to be patient when she gets home. not a time to bark out to her. How come we don't have decent meals around here anymore? Whoa, that's not wise, man. Or when are you going to finish my bunny costume for the school play? A little one will say. Or hey, the dog messed up in here again. Will you, will you take care of that, hon? Be alert to the pressures that she faces in the home and give assistance. And that makes it so much easier for her to Practice self-control. Then number three, this godly woman's morals must always be virtuous. Godly morals should be virtuous. It's absolutely essential for the well-being of the family and the children that the moral standards of the mom be highly respected. You know, children can survive maybe a bad father, but they seldom survive a bad mother, one writer said. And ladies, Satan may tempt you to be impure, but if you're unfaithful to your husband or if you're unfaithful to the Lord, you not only endanger your marriage, but you endanger the welfare of your children. They need to see you consistently have a a moral tone and a moral standard that's lifted high in the home. And that's hard to do if your mind is saturated with all the stuff that's out there in the media and on the Internet. It's hard to have an unguarded heart in that situation. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is pure, think about such things. One mother was determined not to allow her children to absorb all the violence on television. So she had an agreement with them. When they watched the show, if somebody got murdered or if someone got hurt, they had turned TV off immediately. The average length of their television programs was about five minutes. And she said as the show was going on, you'd hear the children saying in the background, pleading, please don't hurt him. Please don't hurt him. Don't kill that man, please. Now, we can relate to that, I think. But the rest of the home, or else of us in the home, can certainly make it easier for her as well. Man, don't ask your wife to compromise her values by going places or doing things that contradict her conscience. Children, compliment your mom once in a while for her integrity. Compliment her on her virtue. You're bragging on other kids' mothers and uh, for taking, you know, having, having a, a good meal at the home or for maybe their sense of humor. But do you ever say to mom, Hey, thanks for taking a stand. I want you to know I really appreciate your Christian life. That's not easy to do. We hear a lot of people compliment their moms, but that's after they've they've passed on. The time to do it is while they're still alive and can certainly appreciate it. And then not only her morals need to be virtuous, but number four, her priority should be her family. Her priority should be the family. In fact, the Apostle Paul encouraged her with four words. He said, you'd be busy at home. Now, this is an important phrase since there's so many working moms out there today. 
A study was done of 1,200 Midwestern couples, and they discovered that the, the higher the husband's occupational status, the more likely the wife was to work outside the home. Now, I don't mean to put another guilt trip on anybody here for sure. You probably get plenty of that. But I would encourage you, especially if you have small children, to consider not working outside of the home. Ask yourself some questions. Is it essential for you to work? Or do you have excessive desire for material things? Would your children be better off with fewer things and more of you? Do you work outside the home because it's really what you want? Or because other family members and neighbors have urged you to pursue a career and you don't want to disappoint them? You see, nobody can answer those questions for you. But if you can't answer them to your satisfaction, then you may want to consider maybe quitting your job and spending your time at home if you can. If you can answer all those to your own satisfaction, then don't lay a guilt trip on yourself anymore. Don't worry about it. You just continue to make the home as much of a priority as you can. And keep in mind, this passage does not say that it's always wrong for the mother to work outside the home. I was born in, 19, in the 1950s, early 1950s, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And that was kind of expected back then, that generation. And uh, that lasted till about, I think I was 11, maybe 12 years old. And uh, my dad had recently had a heart attack, and uh, he recovered from it. But mom was really shaken about this because he was the sole breadwinner and provider for the family. And... And she was concerned. She worried about how she would manage things, you know, if anything happened to him. I mean, she didn't even have a driver's license. So she learned to drive. That was one of the many explosions I heard as a young child as my mother announced that she was going to get her driver's license. <laughs> um, then she got a job. She actually got a job working for the, the company that taught her how to drive. And, of course, there was a second loud explosion uh, because mom was the only female. All the other instructors were all males. And my dad seemed to have an issue with that. I don't know, something, something. But anyway. But nevertheless, she got, she already always was intelligent. Mom was super sharp. But she was ready when dad did have a fatal heart attack and she was able to manage things. So, so I don't see when it says the woman should be busy at home, I don't take that to mean that she should not have a job. In fact, the Bible has a number of examples of godly women who had careers. You know, Lydia, she was a businesswoman. Esther was a queen. Priscilla worked in the tent-making industry. And the book of Proverbs tells us about a virtuous woman who was involved in real estate and merchandise and so whether you choose a career outside the home or not, make your family the priority and let them know that you consider nothing more important than their well-being. Tony Campolo said one time, he was a, he's a writer and speaker, he, his wife had a master's degree, but he said when the children were young, she chose to stay at home. Even with her academic training, she chose to stay home with the kids and not have a job. But her difficulty came when she would go out go to social functions, she said, and some career woman would come down and kind of look down her nose and said, well, what do you do? 
And Tony Campolo said his wife would always smile and say this, I'm socializing two homo sapiens in the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments in the transformation of the social order so that they might realize the eschatological potentials of utopia. (laughs) And then she would look sweetly at them and smile and say, and what do you do? And they would just say, oh, I'm just a lawyer. I'm, I'm not all that. Be busy at home, but make home and your children your priority. That's a big deal. And the rest of the family should help you in every way that they can and express appreciation. And then number five, her personality should be kind. Her personality should be kind. That's a big instruction there. Be kind. Sadly, this virtue is often missing in many homes. Have you ever wondered why we treat strangers with such kindness and tenderness, but we can sometimes be kind of snarly at the people that we we were going to weep over the most if they died? And moms, I, I think this begins with you. The Bible simply says, be kind to one another. If your attitude is surly or sarcastic or critical, then your home is not going to be a very pleasant place. But if your attitude is gentle, and encouraging and kind, then the home has a much better chance of being a place of peace. I think that much of what being kind in the home has to do with a sense of humor. If you can laugh at yourself when the pressure's on, that's a big deal. And then number six, by the way, there's seven of these. There's not 21 or whatever, just seven. Her role should be one of servanthood. Her role should be servanthood. Notice verse 5. Young women are told, now we're going to be ready for this now, to be subject to their husband. Now I know these are fighting words, but that's, that's where her humility really shines in the home. It's a basic biblical principle when the husband, or that the husband, is to be the head of the house, the leader of the home. Now it doesn't mean he's a dictator, like some king in his castle. It doesn't say that. It does mean that there's an acknowledgement of the order of things in the home. It means that God has delegated the husband to be the leader and and tenderhearted lover. I'm going to add that because it is true. The wife is to respect his leadership. Now, that may sound old-fashioned. I'm sure it does. But the amazing thing about it is it works, especially in our time when there's so many Modern partnerships, I guess you might call them. And these marriages kind of fall apart very soon. I think God has created us in such a way that no matter how talented we are, no matter how brilliant the woman, she needs the security of knowing that she's under an umbrella of spiritual protection. The same principle is set forth in Ephesians 5, not just in Titus. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Then verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's also found in 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and verse 7. It says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And husbands, in the same way, you be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Women, you all have a choice. You can try to build your home as the world does and saying, you know, this is just a partnership. I have full rights. You have full rights. I'll, you know, no one tells me what to do. 
Or you can say, you know, we're going to try to build this home the way God designed it to be. And when we have disagreements, I want to be free to express my concerns. But if we can't come to an agreement, I will acknowledge your leadership. Now, that takes tremendous humility and takes submission to God's authority. And husbands, we need to assist the wife in doing this because we often can go to two extremes. You can try to be the dictator. I don't know how that works for you. It doesn't work well in my house, I can tell you. But that doesn't help people while you're barking out orders. That doesn't happen. Actually, a more common problem is we don't have men who are dictators. You know what the most common problem is today? Is we have men who are wimps. Now, that word I don't think is in the Bible. It ought to be. But it is a problem. A lot of women would love to have their husbands take the lead, give direction, spiritually, financially, whatever it means. But there's a lot of husbands and fathers who make that very difficult because they're so passive. Men who are executives who make decisions and have authority all the time at work can come home and suddenly they're tired and apathetic about everything. Many marriage counselors, when asked, what is the number one problem in counseling, will quickly say, it is the passivity of the husband. And they go on to say, centuries ago, a man fought off Indians, hunted for game, built log cabins, conquered the West, and was necessary for the survival of the family. But not today. Nuclear missiles protect us from invasions. Food is picked up at the local store or delivered by DoorDash. Our homes are being uh, not just homes, they're houses that are merely like commuter centers and sleeping places. And women are more dependent, independent for men than at any other time in American history. And the prevailing idea is the need of the need for a male leader is not what it once was. Or is it? Have we come full circle? In truth, the need for a loving male leader in the home is greater today than it's ever been. One Harvard researcher discovered that every advanced civilization went into decline, listen to this, when the men became more passive and the women were forced to become more dominant. One study of five family combinations of male-female relationships within the home Reveal that only the father-led type, the farmer-led type of family, produced predominantly emotionally healthy children. Isn't it interesting? Again, the biblical view of the family is accurate, and was accurate all along. I read of an executive who every night when he gets home, he just sits in the driveway for a few minutes, shifting gears. As he's just sitting there, he says, "Shifting gears." He said, "Not the gears of the car," he said but the gears of my mind. Listen to what he wrote. He said, all day long, I've been preoccupied with business. So I just sit there for a moment or two in my car, reminding myself that the people I'm going to meet inside this home are the most important people that I'm going to meet the entire day. And I want to give attention to my wife and children that they deserve. And I sit here for a few minutes to make sure I'm in the right gear before I go in. And then finally, her motivation should be to glorify God. Her motivation should be to glorify God. 
the way Paul put it to Titus was this, so that no one will malign the Word of God. You see, there's no greater testimony to our faith in Jesus Christ than a Christian home. It speaks loudly. Powerful message that is needed today. Skeptics will try to ridicule the Bible. They make a lot of fun about TV, uh, evangelists, and so forth and so on. But they'll not be able to ridicule a godly home. Over and over and over again, unbelievers look at the Christian family down the road and they say, I wish my home had been like that when I was growing up. What a challenge for us as we look into the future that Maple Grove needs to be the kind of church that, that encourages and just produces and just spends a great deal of effort and encouragement on families. And we are so blessed to have an amazing children's department and, and all kinds of exciting things coming down the road in that area. What a blessing. So you see, moms, your motivation is not just to convince skeptics or anyone that you don't even know. Your motivation should be that your own children would grow up to not malign the world of God, not put it down. Our primary purpose is to raise children who know Jesus Christ. And if children sense that the mom is hypocritical, they'll grow up kind of ridiculing the church. But if they know their mom's faith is genuine, even though she's not perfect, you know what? They'll grow up respecting the Bible, loving the church, and they'll be so grateful and appreciative for their mom. And by the way, children, you can, there's so many children in here at the moment, but you know what, you know, many of us are just, you know, we're just older children. But anyway, don't make her drag you out of bed on a Sunday morning. Now that gets the age in the right location, right? Randy's only had to do that four or five times with me over the years. Just, just cooperate. When she takes stands to tell you what you can and cannot do, cooperate with her. And when you're faced with a decision, don't disappoint her by violating the principles that she has taught you, both in word and in example. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy on us. And I thank you for the wonderful Christian homes and families we have in our congregation. I thank you for their commitment to, to living out exactly what the Scriptures have explained to us this morning. And Lord, as we go forward, especially given the, the seriousness of the times, help all of us be able to do the things that you've called us to do with a sense of urgency. Because we don't know how much time we have, Lord, to be an influencer in our homes. But Lord, we rest on you. Our faith is that you will lead us and guide us and equip us. And you'll give us the want to to make sure that we have exemplary homes and families. And we thank you for the women that take such a large role in this. And we also pray for the men who are doing their very best to be strong and focused on the family as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.